0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Think about it. Deep conversations with Uli Bear on big ideas and great books. First of all, thank you for joining me on the Think About It podcast.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome.
0: Uh, it's really fantastic and I want to introduce you briefly. And today we're talking about Emma Goldman, mm. uh, Revolution is a Way of Life, mm. a biography you've written in the Yale Jewish Lives right. uh, series for Yale mm-hmm. University Press. Um, And you yourself have written so many books that have been so influential and uh, important for people. No Um, (laughs) kidding. The Romance of American (laughs) Communism is one we can go back to, Uh Um, The Art Woman in the City, which is your way of making sense of your experience, and I'll return to that, how to make sense of personal experience Mm. um, in a larger sense. Uh, Fierce Attachments, which was a memoir of your life and your mother and grandmother mm-hmm. in the location where Emma Goldman actually operated and lived for a long time, the Lower East Side in uh, New York City. Um, the end of the, I have the book right here, the end of the novel of love, mm-hmm. and love is a big topic for Goldman as well. Yes. So you were invited, I assume, to consider writing this biography of Emma Goldman who's mostly known today as a great anarchist speaker and orator, and not really a writer, as an incredibly well-known woman in the early 20th century in America and internationally. Mm -hmm. And you were invited to write about it because when I look you up and when people refer to you, you are a self-identified radical feminist. Right. So can you say something about this invitation to write about Goldman? who may or may not be quite considered a feminist in today's use of that word, but obviously she's appealed not to you. She's
1: a feminist. <laughs> yeah, so
0: she appealed to you for some reason. Can you start yeah. us out by saying, what appealed to you about writing this biography about Emma Goldman?
1: Well, indeed, as you've already said, she, she's a great, and famous... I am the chi- a child of the left. I was raised in a socialist communist home, and for my mother, my mother had uh, a number of uh, female radical heroes. And one was Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, one was Dorothy Day, and one was Emma. Emma Rosa Luxemburg and Emma and Emma. So uh, my mother, uh, you know, she passed this on to me. She said, she kept telling me they were great women whenever the, the, um, whenever the occasion warranted uh, such a thing. So I grew up um, in a, in, in, and for me, radicalism, uh, you know, conventional radicalism, radicalism on the left, uh, the radicalism of the international working class and Marxism and the Communist Party and uh, all of that—that um, that was a great romance for me. As I even titled a book about American Communists as the Romance of American Communism, and it was a great romance. So. Emma became um you know in, in enshrined in that in that history. Radical feminism is another <laughs> another story. Radical feminism has clearly to do not with overturning anything but with inclusivity, right? Radical feminism is the work of dissenters, not revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. All right. So we were—we are people, as all the liberationist movements are. We want in. We are the people who are accusing the American democracy of not having fulfilled its promise. You know, you know, all men—all men are equal. Oh, really? What about women? And all pe- all men are equal anyway. You know, you know what about five million people who are not equal? So that—that's radical feminism. When I I was approached, I it was, Emma Galt writing the story of Emma was not my idea. I was approached by Jewish Lives and asked to write this book. and uh, And at the time, I really uh, hardly remembered her. I mean, I just remembered the the, out, the general outline, but I I had not uh, continued to uh, think about her in any way. So, I too, like everybody I knew, you mentioned emma goldman and 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 every feminist said I mean, women were naming their dogs emma in the seventies <laughs> <70s. laughs> not really knowing what emma's position actual position on feminism was
2: mm-hmm.
1: which was <laughs> definitely not she it uh, was definitely not a uh a, an ally uh, at all. What she was was a modernist in the sense that she applauded free love Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: sex without marriage Mm -hmm. and uh, birth control. Mm -hmm. These were feminist issues, which she did um, obviously uh, support to the extreme, went to jail on on behalf of uh, birth control. Uh, But Curiously enough, you know, as you've, as you've read her now, uh, she deplored the modern woman because she thought love was most important. Like my mother, she thought love was the most important thing in a woman's life. Um,
0: so she had three issues that she was would fit into the radical feminist moment in the 70s. So birth control, yeah, free love meaning not coercion. What the hell
1: did free love and, mean in the nineteen seventies? What,
0: and what did it mean to her what they, what oh, did, what did these sex, so these oh, things would be feminist issues properly speaking right still
1: yeah well now
0: what I, would they just be have been like women's issues i mean what what i thought she brought into the well, conversation yeah, all women's issues. right so we can talk about what not
1: free love that was everybody's issue uh, women suffered i mean mm-hmm. women suffered mm-hmm. from the the consequences of free love in the sense that if you if you were not married and had an affair and got pregnant, your life was ruined, uh, and that was certainly not true for men. Uh, so free love carried many more penalties for women right. than. And a woman was ruined anyway if she was known to have, take lovers. You had to be really bold and really independent and really and belong to Greenwich Village. You needed to belong to yeah. the Bohemia. That supported all of those credos. So I mean, when you went back
0: to Emma Goldman after you got this accepted this assignment, yeah. so in your mind there's kind of your, the memory of your mother. This is one of the lodestars of her universe. it's yes. a romance. Yeah. But then you go deeper and say, what is what really are her political positions? Right.
2: But and the they book were complicated
0: and complicated. But the book is not really you. You was didn't set out to say I'm going to write a explanation of her political theories. So you wanted no. to capture her life right and that's a lot of your interest in your own yeah. writing as well to take a life and say what does it say that is yeah. more universal or general rather than the specificity
2: of this life
1: i'll tell you the actual history of writing this book and in, in this sense that you're discussing now when i i agreed to write this and then i found myself at a loss i didn't know after all these books are short books these are introductions these are meant to be introductory essays this is the book right here actually yes a book like this right yeah there it is uh and i forget how long is it just a little over 100 pages or something right 100 you know, how long i don't know it's like 140. Yeah, 140 yeah 100 yeah it's about 142 pages um okay so then you're then here you are with this and then you read her uh, her writings and you see and you read stuff about it, and you read other people's biographies, and you see how complicated she is and then you say to yourself how the fuck am i going to organize this
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what and then you know that you have to look for a point of view yeah that will supply you with a position, an organizing principle, yeah. a place in which to stand around which to collect the material of yeah. her life, not the other way around in an ordinary biography where they're going you know, chronologically or anything remotely like that. So that was hard. It took me a long time. I really couldn't figure out where I stood in relation to her yeah. or what to do with her. And then then I hit on it. Um, I said to myself, she's a born refusenik."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Okay. This is how she was born. She was born to say, don't tell me I don't run things around here.
0: <laughs> and, she, and she was born, fill us in for just briefly a moment, what's her childhood? She was born... Oh, the a, worst.
1: She, <laughs> she was born into a, a Jewish... A, in one of these uh, complete like a shtetl life she was born into a family of jews uh working class jews religious not not religious but definitely they themselves are not religious but tainted by the shtetl life which Mm -hmm. was of course full of superstition religious um, um, obeisance lip service paid to etc uh, parents were miserable. The, oh, this was all in the Russian Empire. Yeah. She was born in what was, I think, what is now Lithuania. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't remember now, right now.
2: Kovno. 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 Kovno, yeah. Yes, Kovno, yeah.
1: Yeah, she was born in the, what was the Russian Empire. The father was a terrible loser. The mother the mother hated him. <laughs> she And he, in turn, um, became a brute. He was an impassioned, brutish man. Who took out on his children all his disappointments in life, mm-hmm. especially Emma. Emma turned out to be just as stubborn as he. She had the same character as this uh, th- this this uh, temperamental, tempestuous, uh, impassioned man who always wanted his way, and she always wanted her way. Mm-hmm. And so you can chart that from the very beginning. I mean, I sh- I think I write he he did terrible things like. Um, making a walk across a room, I think, with a glass of water, and if she spilled a drop, she got hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing that he never forgave her for, and this was the source of her strength as well as her as well as her extremity, she never cried, she never begged for, uh, oh, please stop, oh, please leave me, never, mm-hmm. never. And that was the source both of her strength and her limitation.
2: Mm-hmm
1: she could be stubborn to the of, uh, end of the wor- of and life.
2: Can of you stay
0: world. with that for a moment? Because you said the organizing principle you found is that she's a refusenik, a born refusenik, someone right. who doesn't accept, what does she not accept? There she doesn't accept the authority she of doesn't her father. Accept,
1: she doesn't accept um, imposed authority. Yeah. She doesn't accept an, uh, any authority over herself that doesn't make sense to her, yeah. that doesn't feel fair, yeah. that doesn't feel just.
2: Yeah.
1: And from there uh, to radical politics, it, she had the choice of becoming a socialist or an anarchist, but the anarchists were much more vivid for her, yeah. and, and they spoke much more clearly to who she really was. Um, from there to, to that, was one easy step, especially in her, in her time,
0: from refusing kind of willful authority without any basis. Yeah. And this moment when you talked about when her father is punishing her, and he wants her to just get married, be married off, get rid right. of her also because right. she's becoming a
1: all that a girl has to know is how to make like that. have babies, have
0: babies, cut noodles, noodles fine or something like that. And that's right,
2: cut yeah. noodles. Fine. Yeah,
0: yeah, and make a filter fish. Right, that's the idea. She does not want to do this. She goes to America. But before that, when you said she doesn't ever complain, she doesn't cry, she doesn't become, and this is a bit shorthand, a victim in this. She Actually, something else is released in her, some strength rather than a feeling of I can't defend myself.
1: Yeah, that's what politics did for people who had no power, left-wing politics especially, completely. Uh, It gave people a sense of power uh, that... And I grew up among people like that, people who, as I've written, as I wrote in The Romance of American Communism, I grew up among working-class people who were nothing in the world. I mean, my father hung from a strap on a subway for uh, 25 years, um, were pressing dresses in a factory uh, in midtown Manhattan. So, but in the house, in our house, he was a significant figure and that was partly because of this politics because they had politics Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to have politics was already to elevate yourself Mm -hmm. it's all i mean i grew up with so many people and have known them all my life especially then going to city college living in new york all my life people who came from the same background as me but their parents had no politics at all They were just appetite and acquisition.
0: And what was the difference between those people and your family that was politically minded?
1: Those people don't respect their parents. They were not um, influenced to the good Mm -hmm. by their parents. Mm -hmm. They never saw anything uh, elevating in life. It was all it was all at the lowest, sort of the lowest levels, you know. It was all at the level of make enough money to buy a house and have a car. Okay. What I hear people talking about today yeah, yeah. with their kids, yeah. um, in, in my time it was all primitive. I mean, I was bro- growing up in the 40s and 50s. Uh, if you ever read Revolutionary Road by Richard Yates, mm-hmm. one of the, the great books of the 1960s, uh, it was about the fifties. Revolutionary Road yeah. is about the fifties, and what he caught was the the pain of 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 that ordinariness of a of a decade in which people were s- solidly involved with security, with gaining security, with having you know it was like the Eisenhower era of uh, um, radical lo- politics at a really low level. The Rosenbergs executed I don't have to go through all that. Uh, And at the same time, they were known as the silent generation. We were known as the silent generation. We weren't silent. People like me weren't silent. Nobody at City College was silent. But the the general culture was um, to gain security. The the man in the gray flannel suit, um, you you know, work for a big corporation, gain security, be careful, be safe, be this, be that. I hear that now, all I hear from people my age or who are grandparents and their children who are in their 60s, i mean, my 80s, and they're in their 60s and they have children uh, or younger, um, they have children who are graduate students. They worry, at Thanksgiving uh, at, at the dinner table, I heard a woman whom I have great affection for She's in her 50s, she got married late, she has kids who are graduate students. She was talking uh, at the dinner table about how she worries that her kid will not be able to make enough money to have a house and a car. And I thought, and you hear that a lot if you're and you listen. it. I don't listen to And you thought that
0: you've heard this in the 50s. I thought, my
1: God, I haven't heard this since,
0: <laughs> 50 years. Since
1: Revolutionary Road.
0: <laughs> um, so now
1: we, we did not grow up uh, seeking security, and I mean, but
0: but you're still in a generation that had, I think, to so Goldman is I in ni- 1900. Your parents are moving out of the Lower East Side to the Bronx yes, at yes, some point. Right. So They're just kind of mo- moving up, and upper, you up. But your parents didn't leave their politics totally behind. No, so no. that's actually interesting to say. It's not just you move into. And that the Bronx at yeah. this point is more like the suburbs, but you they didn't leave their politics. Yeah, it
1: was like but it wasn't the suburbs. Right. They were it's, hanging from a stretch <laughs> two suburbs. hours yeah. a day on the yeah. subway. Yeah. yeah. And the women were all shopping, uh, you know, with, coming home with big bags of food in their arms, uh, and living in in uh in, in, in cooperative circumstances, as I described in Fierce Attachments.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All these women and all of these Bronx and Brooklyn apartment houses um, with an, no power, no vision, no, no capacity for, um, I mean, they were, they were living much more like their parents had lived, like my grandparents had lived, than I lived like my mother lived. I mean, yeah. The break between me and her is huge. The break between herself and her mother was not huge.
0: From more communal to less communal from your mother still having a community of people?
1: Community is not a word they ever used. So what would uh, have been... But, uh, yeah, that's right. What would it have been? What what would, what held everybody, it was like a tree grows in Brooklyn. What held people together was their working class status.
0: Like a shared set of experiences. Yeah, they
1: opened their doors. Um, You know, everyone who had an apartment in a tenement house had an open door and, women could talk to each other immediately mm-hmm. because their lives were duplicates.
2: Mm-hmm. They were, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: so every woman, mm-hmm. uh, had the husband and, uh, the paycheck
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the worry about the rent and the food. Mm-hmm. Um, these were real working class lives. Like, I mean, would you call a tenement building in the Bronx full of Spanish speaking immigrants today? Would you call that community? No, it's more
0: of a shared, set of a shared yes. experience. A shared experience. The landlord or yeah. the city or yeah. the employment. Yeah. But
1: if my mother said to have the people in the tenement, uh, you know, there's a there's, there's, we have the right to fight this. We have the right to fight the landlord. We have the right. To, right. Most of them would look at her like she was crazy because they were terrified. I mean, most okay. people are frightened of yeah. um, the first instinct is not
2: to
0: fight
1: go for help yeah. you know help uh, helpful and
0: if we go back to the generation before so this is goldman almost coincides with your grandparents not quite but almost so she comes to america goes to rochester works in a sweatshop and you do a wow. very to me very surprising job actually i have to confess the way you describe what she enters is sweatshops which is not just Difficult working conditions. You work ten hours, but it's no. it's hell. Yeah. It's enslavement. It is com- it's not just degrading. It is physically dangerous. It has n- zero.
1: Oh, I should go back and read back. It's it's yeah.
0: quite powerful, actually. You say she yeah. enters into something. She goes to promised land. She goes to America. She gets there with her sister, and then she enters into what she realizes. I'm I left my father. I left the stedel, and here I'm in Rochester. This is worse. Worse. Which is not something people want to say when they come to America. No. It's not supposed to be worse. It's supposed no. to be something else. So what happens to her? She finds herself in this context and she's not formally educated at no. all. She doesn't know political no. thinking at all. So no. what happens to yeah. her as a sixteen-year-old girl, which yeah. is kind of I'm thinking it's a six she comes at about sixteen. So she's yeah. a teenager, thrown into this hellish situation yes. of making yeah. clothes or whatever she makes in the factory.
1: And somehow she finds her way to a socialist meeting. Now, the reason she finds her way is because of who she is, uh, meeting up with a time that's receptive to who she is. You will remember her sister doesn't do this at all. Yeah. Her sister goes to sleep after the, she <laughs> works in the factory all day long. Emma goes off to a political meeting when she's 16. Yeah, yeah. This is temperament meeting the right time.
2: hmm mm-hmm.
1: It's just like us with, the fe- with feminism in the 1980s, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which is when I was converted
2: uh, earlier in
1: the 1970s, 70s and 80s, in the 1970s, I, f- I forget the, the dates already. Um, why did people like me suddenly hear people like Kate Miller talking a glorious time. I don't think Simon was so hot yet, but I mean the originals that I remember, or Kate Miller, Susan Brown Miller, Alex Shulman. These women were already converted and talking, and I was sent by the Village Voice uh, out to. To interview these liberationist chicks.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> As i said, said to me. I'm
0: trying to think is Kate Millett the female eunuch or what's the
1: book? No, it's, Kate uh, Millett is sexual politics. Sexual
0: politics, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: Female eunuch is uh, Greer, what's her name? Jermaine Greer. Jermaine okay. It was English. Yes. British. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. But here, it was Kate Miller. Kate Miller was on the cover of Time. Sexual politics I mean, okay. So you're
0: you a young reporter for The Voice and saying, yeah. interview these women. <laughs>
1: Precisely. They, they say to me, go out and interview these these chicks. Right. And I come back converted. Just converted. I just I heard what they said. And as I've written in a number of places, they were all saying many, it wasn't hard to find a whole bunch of them, one after another. T. Grace Atkinson, uh, Betty Friedan. Right. Everybody was out there. Doing it and I listened to all of them and I came back and the thing that I heard Even though they were all saying different things the thing that I heard from everyone was Men are born taking their lot de- taking their brains seriously women are not it, and it, it Was men are natural. born
0: taking their brains seriously
1: and women are are absolutely not women are yeah. taught to not take their brains that as if they were not equipped to take their okay. brains
0: seriously and you're a reporter
1: yeah you have well, a- this went through me like a dose of salt really yeah. yeah i was in my early 30s yeah and i was uh twice married on the verge of divorce the second time and i didn't know who the hell i was or where or what or i didn't know what had happened to me from 23 to 33 and I was nowhere. Uh, I ne- I didn't know. I didn't know that I didn't feel natural inside myself until I heard.
0: As a thinking person. Yes, yeah,
2: a thinking person. That
0: because you. Yeah. At that moment, you realized that had not. That wasn't yeah. really the identity you right, felt.
2: Right. Right.
1: Huh. I remember uh, thinking all my young life that I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know how to start with what to do with it I, as a little girl in grade school and in high school, the teacher would always hold up something I wrote and said, this little girl is going to be a writer. Very nice. That was thrilling. Right. Then what?
0: <laughs> I think you write in one book, maybe it's in, I can't remember, maybe it's in the art woman in the city that you said <laughs> you knew you wanted to be a writer and then you thought, and then I'll probably meet a man and get married right. and be a writer. That was still part of the equation because that was the other great story that you were taught, Yeah,
1: I knew that I, as many women like me would have said, I knew that I wanted to do something great in life, Okay. (laughs) but that I needed to find the right partner.
0: So you tried twice in your 20s. Okay. So so the the second one, you're sort of getting through your divorce. And then, so when you see yourself for the first time in this way, how did that feel? This kind of, that you go interview these women? Oh, tremendously
1: exciting. How did I see?
0: Yeah, like to actually recognise You know,
1: there's nothing like insight, right? There's nothing in the world that's as exciting no matter how terrible a message is. It's so great to see things as they are, as you think they are. Yeah,
0: and you that were ready, you said earlier, you were ready, like Emma Goldman she met her yeah. moment and you met that moment. Exactly. It's the 70s, you're a young Precisely. woman. So there's a, it just happened to be the right moment and you happened to be receptive Precisely.
1: to that. If, I, But I, I've i always felt if uh, if it had been the 1930s, mm-hmm. I would have been the reddest, hottest communist <laughs> on the block.
0: Red Vivian. Okay, good.
1: The worst. <laughs> I would have brought people up on charges.
0: But well, that's actually interesting. Then... The Zeitgeist what was in the culture was what Emma Goldman picked up is anarchism, socialism. This is what actually yeah.
1: totally electrifies with modernism, you with know,
0: modernism which, which you would define as
1: modernism was modernism in, in the, at the turn of the twentieth century, in the years around the First World War into the twenties. Modernism was determined on a revolution in consciousness. Which of course has held sway for a hundred years already. Um, th- they were not into socialism and con- they were not into making America red. They were into making America self-knowing.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: This dovetailed with Emma and free love and and mm-hmm. uh, all that that part of her set of convictions and allegiances. That part, you know, that way dovetailed with birth control, sex without marriage, and uh, free love.
0: This emphasis on yeah. individuality. I yes, want to be careful how to yeah, phrase yeah, no, that. No,
1: experiencing oneself and to to have a life in which one was devoted to the full experience of the self.
0: And for a woman, I think that part included birth control for women more than men, because men were oh, largely absolutely. unburdened by that. Free yeah. love, meaning not have to be locked into marriage and not right. to be yeah. shamed. And it for also
1: it. included women's rights, by the way. Yeah. they Many of them were, were feminists, but the feminism was subordinate. to mm-hmm. It wasn't the main thing, mm-hmm. but it was, it was definitely subordinate um, to all these questions that were being raised. But it was there, and there was lots of men in the village in, in those years, called themselves feminists. Max Eastman called himself a feminist. Floyd Dell called himself a feminist. Lots of people yeah, who, who yeah. were well known in that piece of history. Um, and they, they called themselves feminists, but they were sexist at the same time that they called themselves feminists. They yeah. went out to make the revolution and the wife was sitting home right. uh, doing all the rest of it. And, and when the wife turned out to be an artist herself, or a serious thinking person herself, um, the marriages fell apart
2: hmm. uh, I mean, so they
1: so,
0: didn't really want a thinking woman yeah. at home I mean
1: ne- <laughs> no
0: they wanted a thinking no, they, woman maybe yeah,
1: they thought they did in the
0: revolutionary future and
1: they <laughs> would marry a woman who was vigorously independent yes. and smart and talented, and then the minute they got married, they wanted her to Emma
0: be- Goldman has one experience you describe one of these experiences she starts to become she starts to speak herself at these meetings. She draws on her own right. experience. We can talk about that. And then she has her own experience where one of her mentors who falls in love with her- Johan Most. Johann Most, and she returns from a trip to right. Chicago, I believe, she's yeah. really excited because she's actually connected to the crowd and she's found she's starting to find her way of speaking to the crowd. And he basically doesn't really want to hear yeah, about
1: it. Yeah, basically he wants to sleep with her. Yeah, yeah
0: he's like, yeah. let's go home and yeah. have sex. <laughs> he and He brings you, her violets. <laughs> this winter he brings her violets out. and then this, someone else is outraged. <laughs> who's, yeah. at Ber- yeah. who's the... Yeah. Sasha Sasha yeah.
1: Berkman. He's outraged that
0: yeah. he brings violets because yeah. the, it's, the workers are starving and you're That's extravagant. Rotten, and
1: so do you know how much violets Like an now.
0: Edith Wharton <laughs> moment or something like that. <laughs> but she has her own experience of that. The men in her life, and she has a lot of men in her life, which, oh, yeah. is, which is quite important for her, right? You say for oh, her absolutely. story, it's important. Yeah. So it's not a feminist, a separatist who says free love and women are going to be detached from not at all. heterosexual love at all, right? There's none No, No, none no, of
1: no, none of that. She's full of contradictions. She <laughs> doesn't think any of it out. She really doesn't. She was against uh, fighting for suffrage. She was, it was unbelievable. She was really against, uh, actively against
0: And it. say why she was against it? She has yeah, arguments, it de- Yeah, It
1: deracinates de- the, mod- the modern woman. The modern woman doesn't know how to love after, if she keeps on hawking about the vote. <laughs>
0: It's a contradiction. I mean, it's, she says something here, I think I have this, um, but she said, emancipation has brought women economic equality with men, that she can choose her own profession and trade, but as her past and present has not equipped with all her energy, vitality, and strain every nerve. She loses herself. She said women who start, they get political rights, economic rights, and look where they end up. Even unhappier, no, are right. secretaries, right. or okay. they, or even doctors or lawyers lose everything about themselves return home in the evening and have to still run the household but they're also not in touch with what she calls a vitality force right and that always goes back to love maternity she yeah. doesn't have children yeah. herself
1: no that's but, the
2: thing
0: but she something like saying. an embodied experience
2: yeah
0: like i would be curious what you make of this because what you started out earlier yeah you found this kind of structuring principle for the biography refuse yeah. refusenik, and in your other writing you've talked a lot about turning experience experience isn't the self-evident thing it's something that needs no. to be presented and interpreted yeah and this moment when she's in the contradiction and she says women shouldn't even get the right to vote because what right. is that going to do for yeah them?
1: right exactly she her identity is very complicated it's, it's not simple it's not it's not simple it's not usable as a feminist at all huh. I mean, it, it's just not um and it wasn't uh, uh, even then. Um, she was constantly arguing, and she fell out with Margaret Sanger. Uh, they were both impossible. E- each one was a Stalinist. Uh, they each have that Stalinist uh, personality. You know, they they don't gi- they're not flexible. They don't give. Uh, they, they're, they're 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 not interested in doing politics successfully as much as they are in declaring. Mm-hmm. Standing for. And in fact, she was not a thinker. She was not a, a, a tactician.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She was inspirational. Mm-hmm. What she was was a, a woman of extraordinary character, I mean, uh, like one of a kind.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: the most important thing that she contributed um, was that she made people feel their condition mm-hmm. um, better than anybody under the sun. She was just, she must have been thrilling to listen to.
0: Um, and she spoke to huge crowds without huge
1: and for years and years and years on end Uh, and she could make them feel um, their subjected lives uh, brilliantly and uh, and that's that was her contribution unlike Rosa Luxemburg who was inspirational and also an intellectual
0: and I want to stay with this for a moment. She's yeah. an inspiration or an, this incandescent event. Yeah. She's an appearance to people, but she doesn't give them the program no. what to do next. But, no. but let's just stay with it. But that is an important role. And there's also a oh, kind of... Which, and one thing to connect to, which you point out in the book... There's an American tradition of these great orators or speakers or these inspirational figures. They can also be con men and seduce the masses, of course, right. in America. There's always two sides to this, at least. But there seems to be a particular thing she falls into in America. That she's, there's a huge business of bringing people into the hall, lecture halls and stadiums and theaters to yeah. speak to people. And that, to me, seems very much connected to america as kind of it's not a country where you you start out with a full program no it's experimental it's right. Pra- pragmatic
1: right yeah definitely yeah it's what she loved about america and why of all the countries <laughs> in the world that she could have lived in some of which she did live in she never stopped loving america what she loved was the passion for individuation and uh and the uh the the, the incredible capacity for protest, for, you know, standing up for your rights, um, and on the part of people who had no rights, and were going to live and die uh, in the shabbiest, most miserable of conditions. But, you know, Alexander Berkman, Sasha, who who shot Frick five times and couldn't kill him. So he
0: shoots Frick who's beating down <laughs> a strike right. uh, as the manager of a plant manager. and then and then yeah, one of the most famous it.
1: strikes in American history. He
0: Anderson. walks in shoots him how many five times? Five times. Five times and manages <laughs> yeah. not to kill her. Yeah. But he goes to prison for a long time. But he
1: went to prison. He was sentenced to 22 years. this is years. the
0: Frick of the Frick Gal uh, yes, collection of yes, yes, town it so it we Frick can collection. now admire yeah. that name yeah. which has been yeah, sanctified in American history. Right.
1: right. <laughs> yes. Robert baron. They They all were. Those great yeah. collections that come from Robert Barons. So, uh, so Sasha goes to prison, one of the worst, imagine, 1892. Um, and he writes finally, he comes out after 14 years, but in the course of it, he writes her many, many letters, of course. And in them, he says, There'll never be a revolution in America. He suddenly sees the difference. Between a country where no matter how terrible the life is, and no matter how these people are ending up in jail, and they're black uh, often on top of being on a chain gang, uh, you know, it, the worst life imaginable. Um, and still, they have deep within them the conviction that it's possible to become something different. That sense of expectation, which my mother uh, embodied, that sense of expectation separated America,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the immigrants of, the, of America, mm-hmm. from every other country in the world. Because in all the other countries, you were a subject, and here you were potentially a citizen. And he imprisoned with the lowest of the low, and people whose lives are at an animal level, and will never be any other di- any different. He could not persuade them to become socialists.
0: So they have something that he says is strangely empowering, but politically inaccessible.
1: It's an Americanism that we is, will we is, yeah. we'll never be interested in socialist revolution. We'll never respond to it.
0: Because socialists actually would subjugate that kind of individualism. they
1: that socialism means the loss of individuality. Yeah, yeah.
0: which yeah. may or may not which, be correct. Yeah. Right, We haven't probably found the right experiment, right? And, and Goldman taps into that. What you said earlier, she makes people feel their own experience, which is an interesting expression. As if people don't know their experience, but then they all know? True enough, isn't they it? They come in the <laughs> evening. They hear Emma Goldman. She gets we both
1: finished. live sufficiently long to yeah. know that that is true, right?
0: Well, I, I'm kind of interested in this concept of experience because it comes up throughout your writing. To sort yeah. of, and you said some in another I know, text.
1: I've been accused of that. <laughs> No,
0: it's a good, In, in the, the end of the novel of love, you make this yeah. argument that in the fifties people lived largely without experience because they actually sort of got swept into the molds of their parents. There's a pattern and you live that. Absolutely. And then you said, but you in the sixties and seventies, experience becomes this incredibly powerful thing that it's a yeah. new, yeah. a new shape of life or something.
1: Right. It's to examine your actual feelings, not received feelings. Which is what psychoanalysis concentrates on. I mean, the Freudian century is devoted, supposedly, to people discovering exactly that. Well, what is it I really feel? What is it I really know? Where do I really feel at home inside myself? Where do I feel exiled inside myself?
2: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. These are vital questions, which um, which modernism uh, was and and Goldman is in it.
2: But
0: she doesn't think about them no. intellectually. She meets Freud, no. actually. I think she see, she hears Freud speak or something in Europe at some yeah. point, which is kind of remarkable. Yeah. So she, she
1: gets some of it. She gets some of what yeah, I'm saying yeah. now, but nowhere near enough, which is what the whole world has been about. I mean, it's 100 years of trying to get more, more of Freud than Freud had, or to, uh, to, these are, are, um, concepts, uh, that are lived out again and again and again, until they take Mm -hmm. both in society and Mm -hmm. in culture and history. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. To say these things, as I say them, and have said them um, over and over and over again. And. Then to live as long as I've lived and to see myself struggling with the same things to this moment yeah. is to have great respect for for, for the um, for for the um, the strength of damage <laughs> for the strength of, of all the things that, that hold us back.
0: But I mean, that's interesting. What you just said, I was waiting what you were going to say. To, to you didn't say. You have great respect for the unwillingness to think or the ignorance of people, you said, for the strength of damage. And Goldman at every turn when she talks about political assassination, about prostitution, about women's rights, she said, you can't blame these people for reacting. You have to look at a bigger place. You have to look at the system that made them do that. And what you just said, people are unwilling to reflect on their experience. They're not unwilling. They've been damaged. And that's a very that different... Not we. We, we, yes, we, thank <laughs> you. You and I
1: are
0: not... We're <laughs> <Hasha. Yeah. laughs> But that's actually, that's a very Goldman move, and I thought that was really interesting. She doesn't blame these people in yeah, front of her she,
1: Every now and then she does something like that, and, she, and then yeah. she's wise. Yeah. But she doesn't stick with it herself. She, she doesn't really deeply understand the implications of her own rhetoric um, so that, you know, you know what, what happens is... She has an orgasm and she thinks it's transcendental. You know, it's, she, she's flown to the moon and she says, oh my God, this is real life. Right. Anything without this is not real life. Right. She goes no further. She can't, you know, then those of us who live long enough right. to um, incorporate the orgasm into <laughs> ordinary everyday life, uh, think, oh, that's not enough. I um, mean, that, that's not making me more of a human being than I was before.
0: So you would think, okay, so it's sexual infatuation or whatever, or like an incredible it, affair. It's, it's, it's one dimension. It's,
1: it, what it is, is the orgasm is so powerful an experience because the culture has denied it. Uh, okay. I mean, so at that moment, the insight is so overpowering
0: because you didn't know this was even there, but that society has made you. And
1: and when you do know it's there, especially when you're her and and living in that time, when you do know it's there and you realize that the whole society is telling you this is wrong, this is this is wrong. It's wrong to to do this, to have this, to feel this, and you think. That is not true. That's a revolutionary thought.
0: Oh, but that's interesting. So, the truth of her experience depends on the experience. Society denies that all the time. That's the other part of it. So, she doesn't.
1: Yeah. And what I said in the end of the novel of love, which literature catches up with, uh, catches up with to the degree that it can't undo the wisdom of knowing that. Uh, a great sexual passion does not provide salvation right, uh, right. now n- nobody could really i mean anna karenna had to throw herself in front of a train uh in order to um make that if you read the end the end of anna karenna again as i did a few years ago you're shocked by how brilliant uh he as she's walking towards the train mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. whole s- last section mm-hmm. it's surreal Mm-hmm. Her thoughts are surreal.
0: Surreal in what sense?
1: In that she's suddenly understanding that she put all her eggs in this basket. She, yeah. right? Her whole she gave up everything, yeah. and to give up everything then was to get was to become a victim of the pandemic. Yeah. Was, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shut
0: yourself up. Yeah, she's
1: she's on lockdown forever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, you say this about Mrs. Dalloway also in Wolfe, which is interesting. You yeah, say she actually yeah. locks herself into a kind of
2: That's cold, right.
0: white, sexless marriage yeah,
2: right. uh,
0: with Mr. Dalloway yeah. rather than living out this other life. But yeah. and you said that used to be a very real concern. Maybe it isn't quite the same for us anymore.
1: Well, we used to think <clears throat> that she was at fault. And in other words, we used to think that what Wolfe was getting at was the limitations in Clarissa Dalloway's character or that of the whole society yeah. every woman like her upper middle class women who were cold and distant and um and using had an instrumental relationship to marriage and so we i remember at city college and when when i was a kid when we i was 20 years old reading Virginia, reading mrs dalloway and thinking oh god she's so cold She's so she's so without sensuality. That's what Wolf's seeing everywhere in her class in her world. Then later, as a feminist, I read and I think, well, of course, she, it's the only way she could save her life. <laughs> so you <laughs> take herself off to a virginal uh, third third floor bedroom. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and look uh, at the lady across the street. Yeah. The, <laughs> Goldman doesn't quite make that. Leap consistently to realize she does sometimes she realizes okay it's the circumstances that actually uh, explain Missus Dalloway's withdrawal into this yeah. and Goldman does it sometimes but you you also said sometimes she doesn't even understand her own experience is also no. motivated or structured by that right by society
1: well that's true too yeah yes yes she she can't get that far well she couldn't get that far because there wasn't enough cultural experience around her to um, reinforce, um, reify uh, what she was, what what she experienced for herself and declared for other women was impossible for other women to achieve. And who could become Emma Goldman? I mean, you had to become Emma Goldman to to, <laughs> to to live in 1920, uh, 1910. Uh, the way she was encouraging everyone to live. I mean, in 1910, you had a baby out of wedlock, you went to prison. I mean, uh, it it was, she she never, she never really understood the ramifications of of many of the positions, but it was important that she took those positions because it was invigorating. It made people have thoughts they never had before. They couldn't act on it, but but they could have them. And therefore, that string of thoughts accumulates. When I said, in the, in, as a kid, and when I realized that as a kid, none of these women around me had any experience, none. They married young. And right. Their husbands were the only men they ever slept with. They knew right. nothing uh, and they couldn't know anything. And it's only when a mass of people, when the culture really changes and a mass of people have the same experience, in, in other words, what I'm saying is, when we did divorce men we weren't happy living with, or we did have many lovers and discovered the limitations of that goodness, that it was great and it was necessary, but it wasn't the whole world, and it it didn't it didn't make us into different people,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and uh, and then later everyone was in psychoanalysis and. And that has its limitations too, but it's 10 steps ahead of uh, the orgasm. Uh, Of
0: valorizing the orgasm, the transcendent moment or something like Um, that. Yeah. Um, to, To go back to her sort of this, Um there's one part she goes she's exiled from America, she's deported with some two hundred other some people, ends in Finland and then gets to the then new found Soviet Union, which is brand new. The Russian Revolution has just happened and fascinated the world. She arrives in the newly formed I guess it is the Soviet Union at that yeah. point in 18 yeah. or so, 19. what is her experience there? And you sort of explain that based on your other knowledge of this yeah. whole history.
1: Well, yes, very quickly, it's, it's 1919. She was only there for two years in 1921. she they were, they were gone. They were on their way out. Um, well, she sees, because she's an anarchist, not a communist, if you were a communist, you know, you had blinders on, your, your sight was sealed. Um, you were passionately devoted to the revolution and you couldn't, you couldn't take apart that. Uh, so you justified everything. And uh, all, you know, the horrors of gathering Bolshevism uh, were apparent very quickly. But more important than anything else, anarchists were the enemy for the Bolsheviks. So, even though Emma was a famous bolster, a famous anarchist and received special treatment by Lenin by order of Lenin, very quickly, it was not enough uh, for her to not see um, the authoritarianism that was growing and growing and growing. And an anarchist went to jail in the, Soviet, in the early Soviet Union. And
0: if she's seeing, and I'm very, kind of this is a very amateurish picture, but if she's seeing that kind of in the Soviet Union, power is consolidated in the party, yeah. the Soviets, which are supposed to be these elected councils by workers,
2: are, are actually crushed, Yeah,
0: brutally yeah. beaten down, the way the Frick yeah. of the America yeah. beat down right. the worker strikes. And Emma yeah. Goldman says this should not... He consolidated into power by an elite.
2: Yeah, she
1: said, oh, this is another dictatorship. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, this, the Communist Party is replacing the Tsar, or right. the, the Soviets are more and more becoming a puppet states. Uh, people are going to jail, or open their mouths against, uh, what the Soviet Union became, It uh, became, was becoming very quickly. And, you know, she, if she was told to shut her mouth in any situation,
0: <laughs> she, she, could. she, she couldn't. could not. She, so keeps, she, she wouldn't. And she doesn't, she leaves the Soviet Union, then she's stateless. And not not you, a
1: minute too soon.
0: Because yeah, she would have been arrested most likely. she would have, have been arrested. And, and ended up in Siberia or in Nagoya. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah in the end of her.
0: And then she writes a book a bit later, yeah. pretty quickly. Um, do we know anything about her writing practice? Uh, I mean, she's... Wow. On a tour, she gives 120 lectures a year and I don't know, if seconds. She 30, stays seven. up
1: all night and writes.
0: She stays up all night. She needs no sleep. When strength. she's not sleeping with her one of her many lovers, yeah. she's actually writing. Well, that's different.
1: Books. Then she's not sleeping. She's active. <laughs> Very
0: active. She's quite, she's doing a lot. So she writes a book about the Soviet Union. <laughs> right. And, and of
1: course every every sympathizer and every red hates it immediately. I mean no one she immediately she immediately becomes the enemy of the of the organized left.
0: So she's starting to lose a bit to her community there?
1: Oh, everyone. She loses lose a lot. She she becomes um she becomes deported in a million ways. Um in other words, her constituency shrinks Practically nothing, um, hmm. and that was true for all of them. There was a whole bunch of them, uh, uh, anarchists um, uh, from America, deported from America, and other countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, I write about that, and uh, I think I say in it. I think I even no. Oh, there's nothing. there's a photograph. Um, uh, there's a photograph of Emma and Sasha, and a whole bunch of other people like them. Mm-hmm. They're on a terrace of a villa in Saint Tropez, which subsequently became, you know, the rich, elegant playground of, uh, you know, the wealthy and the beautiful, the rich and the beautiful. But in that in that time, it's like the early nineteen twenties, and that that villa was bought for her by Peggy Guggenheim. (laughs) Yeah, a Peggy Guggenheim could afford then as now to have any kind of friend she wanted to have. Mm-hmm. In other words, knowing Emma Goldman did not threaten Peggy Guggenheim,
0: mm-hmm.
1: nor did it make her an anarchist. I mean, she... When well, Emma Goldman is right.
0: writing against property and, yeah, right. and all this, but the Peggy Guggenheim's Gold at this point... point. Like, she so, says,
1: want a house? <laughs>
0: so she gets a little house in front, and she, she needs also house. a refuge, because she's yeah. stateless, she's thrown out everywhere, yeah. she's starting to lose her footing it seems she has was.
1: she doesn't know it yet but yeah. it's not coming back yeah. i mean this is the end anyway all these people they all look like my grandmother uh they all look like these dowdy looking jews from new york and they're sitting on this terrace in Saint tropez and they look miserable <laughs> <laughs> no. it's all they want is to be on the lower east side <laughs>
0: To be back home, really and you
1: can see, <laughs> there must be down below them, the ocean, fantastic plants and flowers and gorgeousness, <laughs> and all, you can see in their faces, what am I doing here? <laughs>
0: so they're in exile in a certain way.
1: Oh, they totally, yeah. they're in exile. Yeah, and, they, yeah. and they stayed in exile for the rest of their lives. Hmm. They know, After the First World War um, and, and after Bolshevism, um, after the Soviet Union became the Soviet Union, Life is never the same uh, use any of them. What do you think, what
0: do you make of this book about the Soviet Union that basically paints a very negative picture of the Soviet Union Yeah. and shapes perhaps the understanding of that experiment for a lot of Americans?
1: No, her book is uh, not valuable precisely because it is so accusatory. Mm-hmm. It is so without sympathy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just her being uh, dogmatic this way instead of that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, she, there was really nobody to speak to at that time. The only people who might have been happy to see such an anti uh book yeah. were the right wing in America, in right. all the countries of the world, that's not what you want.
0: I want to ask you something, I, because we did a, a podcast with Anne Fernald and Raj Sakumar Schuch- uh, on Virginia Woolf's Three Guineas, 1938, oh, which yeah. is a book where she says, Virginia Woolf, I'm not going to support your anti-war effort, because we have a lot of things at home, namely the patriarchy to take care of. It right. basically destroys a lot of our friendships. And then I had a conversation, I told you, with the late and amazing Richard Bernstein, exactly in this spot about Hannah Arendt about three years ago. And Arendt is, of course, thrown out of her community entirely after the Eichmann book. So you have these women who write against the orthodoxy of a world in which they were revered and celebrated, yeah, and they're dropped pretty quickly. Yeah. So is this what happens to Goldman a little bit? Oh,
1: absolutely. And
0: then she loses this...
1: Yeah, she loses exactly she loses, she loses her income support.
0: her income also right because she's no longer the popular speaker
1: yeah After, yeah the last part of her life was uh, really mean really mean she, she as you say she, her isolation was morbid mm-hmm. and very very uh very strong she went, didn't have money she didn't have friends she, she you know she kept on doing but it was all at a much lower level than, uh, before the last part of her life. She was scrabbling for, for everything, for, for money, for support, for friends, for a venue. She hungered to come back to America and she couldn't, she died in real exile in in Canada, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which meant nothing to her. Um, yeah, that was a move she shouldn't have made, but there was no move for her to make. She was through with Europe and, um, it was a miserable, it was a miserable abject ending. Um, but it, whenever she could, she remained herself, and as, as I describe her, her in, she gets involved <coughs> with these Italian Italian uh, anarchists, young people. She takes up whatever cause she can. She's always eager to, oh, you know, one moment of uh, revival was the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. Weird. She goes to
0: London and raises yeah. money and organizes things. Yeah,
1: wherever she could. That yeah. was one uh, great thing about her. No matter how low life uh, brought her, uh, give her half a chance uh, to, to do something, to pull herself yeah. out yeah. of yeah. Yeah. self-pity and isolation and, and uh, <clears throat> um, inactivity. And she took it, right. she took it. Right. That she should have a stroke and not be able to talk. In the last months Terrible. of our life, <laughs> Terrible. was a bitter, bitter destiny
0: for someone who spoke her whole life. Oh, God God shut sake, up. She
1: was taught, that's what she was. I mean,
0: um, I'm going to ask you a question toward the end that, because you wrote this introduction to this new edition, which we're really happy that we're presenting to okay. 21st century readers. Good, yeah. And if Emma Goldman. What do you think she would, what does she mean today for where we are in you know in the first, fifth or whatever, of the 21st century? And what has she meant to you as when you started writing? Because you really had to immerse yourself. And what do you take from that? That someone who used her voice to make people feel their own experience.
1: Oh, uh, what do I make? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I adore it. When I was young, uh, I, it was Emma Goldman I wanted to be without really knowing without really knowing much about her, I knew that she stood up on a platform mm-hmm. and before 10,000 mm-hmm. people urged revolution. And <laughs> that's what, yes. Yeah. I wanted, I knew I had to get married and I needed the love of my life. But that yeah. was later. <laughs> when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be Emma Goldman. And when I was 20, I wasn't so far from still wanting to be Emma
0: Goldman. Yeah. And now,
2: oh, how do you, know today?
1: She's, you, she's a thrilling figure.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, she, she is the kind of figure that makes humanity rich,
2: really mm-hmm, rich. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. It's...
1: I, 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 uh, it was exhausting living with her so long while I was writing this book. It was exhausting, um, but it was still, it was very absorbing.
0: What part was exhausting? that she's
1: oh to be constantly um in her presence through her writing and through having to read uh, about her as well as read her she, she is um she demands so much of her of her allies her friends her uh, the people she, the people that she affects yeah. she demands a lot yeah, of yeah. us She demands active response from us. But
0: I think I love that you said she enriches humanity. Yes. So she gives and gives and gives, but she demands a lot. Yeah. And some people demand a lot, but they're not very giving. She's a very giving, larger is a constant sense of like, she's giving something to the world.
1: Most people are made in very moderate. Us were made in very moderate amounts of all of it, of of everything. But she was made in the large.
2: Yeah. Really, yeah. in the large.
0: Wow. Vivian, thank you so much. Oh, it's, really, you. it's great. She it really, it came to life. You have a moment. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So um, that I want to thank you. And I also really want to thank you for writing the forward oh, to this. Uh, you know, we, we tried, Natasha and I, Natasha Roy and I, we tried to edit what we thought was the most maybe not really relevant, because it turns it into this utilitarian, but the essays that speak to today's moment. Yes. So we tried to yes. gather those in the book, because they're available in many other longer editions. Right. But you and have. Then you have. And then we also want to just get people, Emma Goldman, Revolution as a Way of Life, right. people should read that clearly, and then hopefully the essential Emma Goldman with Vivian's introduction. <laughs> um, so, and... Okay. Um, there are many other episodes of our podcast. Uh, think about it. I you can see. Find you're, them having
1: good, you're having a good time. Yes.
0: Thank you so much. It's really cool. been a pleasure. A pleasure. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and an honor. Thank you.
1: you. <laughs> that
2: was <Okay>. great.
0: Great. <laughs>